0: If you got your Bible this morning, would you meet me in Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. Today we're going to kick off a two-week mini-series called Change Your Mind. Change your minds. And what we want to talk about today and next Sunday is we want to talk about the way that God wants to go about changing our minds, renovating our minds, making us and helping us to think not as the world thinks but the way that he thinks. That's what we're going to be talking about over the co- over the course of the next couple of weeks here. And with that said, today is going to be relatively foundational for the sake of this series. I want to take some time talking to you today and just relaying some scriptures and truth from God's word about the reality, about the fact that God wants to go to work on our minds. It's very important that we th- that we understand that God wants to change the way that we think and the way that we see the world that we- that we are living in. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you a quote to help you out, to get you started this morning. And here it is. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. A few years ago, I uh, made a doctor's appointment to go get my eyes checked. And I was having, like, headaches after work. I would get done. I'd be on the computer most of the day at work. I would leave the office. And that adjustment of, like, no longer looking at the computer screen and then getting in the car and driving home, it was like every day I would have a headache. So I made an appointment with the doctor. I said, you know, I'm thinking I need to get my eyes checked. Maybe I need glasses to help me with reading throughout the day. I don't know. But here's what's going on. So, you know, she checked me out. She was like, yeah, I can understand why you're having these problems. Here's what's going on. She wrote me a prescription. I ordered up some glasses. But I remember that day... I was there, and I got done with my appointment, and, you know, I just remember, like, having the hardest time finding some glasses, and then eventually I found some that I liked that fit me good. Well, earlier this year, I had to go back to the doctor because this started kind of happening again. I'm thinking, eh, it's been a few years. Maybe I need to get my eyes checked out again, get a different prescription, and sure enough, I needed a different one was having these headaches. It was kind of tripping me out. But as soon as I was about to leave, when the doctor wrote me a new prescription, she looks at me and she says, if you want to go pick out a pair of frames from our store, since you booked your appointment here with the optometrist, we'll give you a discount in the store. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I go out and I'm looking for a new pair of glasses, right? Some frames I'm trying on. And I found like 10 or 12 pairs of glasses that I thought, oh, those are pretty cool. I want to check those out. And I don't know what the deal was, but it seemed like from the first pair to the second pair to the third and on and on and on, I would pick these glasses up and I'm like, oh, I like those. I'd put them on and they would fit me all crooked. I'm like, what is the deal? And so as I tried on pair after pair after pair, I'm starting to think to myself, like, do you guys know how this is when you put on a pair of reading glasses or sunglasses and, you know, they fit comfortably. But then you look up out of the corner of your eye and you can see that the frames are like this way or that way or they're crooked. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is just tripping me out. Why can I not find a correct fitting pair of glasses? And I started telling myself, man, these manufacturers must be terrible. Like they must make, like, why can't anybody make a perfectly square fitting pair of glasses? I don't know if any of you have ever had this problem, but anyway, I didn't buy any of the glasses in the store that day because I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't find anything that fits me good. So... I still kind of took a risky route. I bought my glasses online, but I'm thinking, oh, they'll send it to me next day. I'll try them on. If I don't like them, I'll send them back and I'll try another pair. So I first try, right? I picked up these actual glasses. They sent them to me and like right away, they fit me perfectly. I'm like, finally, I found a pair of glasses. Like they don't just fit comfortably, but when I look up out of the corners of my eye, they're like square. Like these guys know how to make a square fitting pair of glasses. Like they do well. Next time I need glasses, I'm going back to them. That was what I was thinking. Well, anyway, fast forward a few months. I'm happy with my glasses. Love these. They still, they fit me great. I thought I had a sinus infection a few months down the road, and I wasn't feeling very good. Again, was getting these headaches. Thought, you know, again, I had a sinus infection. So I go to the doctor, and I tell the doctor, I'm like, doc, I think I have a sinus infection. And he goes, okay, well, let's, you know, let's take a look. And he takes out this instrument, and he goes, I want you to tilt your head back, and I'm going to look in your nose. And before he could take that instrument and look into my nose, he literally goes, huh, And I'm like sitting here with my head back like this as he's looking up at my nose. He goes, huh. Now let me just tell you that it's always a little unnerving, but before the doctor even takes out the instrument, he looks at you and goes, huh. And I'm like, well, what is it about me that made you go, huh? And he says, well, I'm noticing something kind of funny here. And I said, what is it? He goes, have you ever broken your nose? And I'm like, no, I've never broken, not that I know of at least, I've never broken my nose. But then he asked me a really uneasy question. He goes, have you ever had any sort of trauma to the face? I'm like, what kind of a question is that? Like, have I ever had trauma to my face? What's wrong with my face? Like, I know I'm not like Ryan Gosling here, but like, anyway, so he's still sitting there looking at me and he goes, well, he hands me a mirror and he, he says, lean your head back and now look ahead. He says, you have a deviated septum. Which means that like this part of my nose in here, which this is gross. I'm just pointing at my nose and talking to you. But like, he says, you know, it's not perfectly straight. So you get airflow better in one side than the other of your nose. He said, and because you have a deviated septum, it sometimes tends to move the point of your nose. Like the point of your nose is not perfectly straight. And then he says to me, it's not really a big deal. He says, nobody really has a perfectly straight nose, but yours is just especially curved. Thanks, Doc. I'll be sure to find somebody else next time. But So anyway, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my glasses. But then as I left that day, I get in the car and I'm driving, and it occurs to me that I didn't find the perfect pair of glasses. I found the pair of glasses that was so perfectly jacked up <laughs> that they perfectly fit my jacked up nose. Is everybody following me so far? And as I began to think that way, it then occurred to me, like I reminded myself of a conversation I was having with my brother. My brother and I were at the Dodger game earlier this year, and we were like trying on hats in the, in the team store. And both of us were sitting there putting on hats, and we hated them. We're like, nobody makes a good hat anymore, you know? Like, these hats, they all suck. Like, we kept saying that, and now I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with my head, you know? <laughs> Why do I tell you these stories this morning? Because we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. I want to tell you that when you come into a relationship with God, God wants to change you. God wants to move onto the inside of you. He wants His Spirit to flood every single area of your life. But you know what you bring with you when you walk into a relationship with God? That same old carnal, fleshly, worldly mind that you had before. And when you walk into that relationship, you have to give God permission to go to work and start changing the way that you think. Because let me tell you, when you walk into a relationship with God, He doesn't want us to think the way that the world thinks. He wants us to start to understand that we need to think the way that He thinks. Amen? And with that said, I want to establish that this morning, that God wants to go to work on our minds once he has gotten into our hearts and into our lives. It's incredibly important that we understand that because the way that we used to think before we walked into this relationship with God is not going to cut it anymore. We need to let God into our life and as a result, then go to work and begin to renovate our minds. I want to talk more about renovating our minds here in just a few minutes. But with that said, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that is usually the starting point anytime you talk about the renewing of the mind or the renovating of the mind. And it's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. But before I go there, I want to quickly read one other passage of Scripture because I think everybody is going to relate to this and help you understand Romans 12 even better. This is what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55. And next week we're going to talk a whole lot more about some really amazing things that Isaiah said about the way that we think. This is what he said, Isaiah 55 verse 8. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. We need to know something right up front, that the way God thinks and the way that we think are completely opposite. His ways and his thoughts are so much greater. And that's what he goes on to say here. In verse number 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So let me put it another way. God's ways are way higher than our ways, and God's thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. And if we can understand that at the, at the outset, if we can get that into our hearts and let it penetrate our minds, we can allow God to go to work in our minds and begin to change the way that we think so that we start to think like him rather than the world that we live in. Now, with that said, let's go to Romans chapter 12 and look at this, okay? Romans 12, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and this is what he says to the early Roman church. He says, and do not be conformed. Everybody say conformed. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will There's two words that stand out at the very beginning of this passage. And there are many of you here, you've been walking with God a long time. You know this passage of scripture. You've put it to work in your life. My hope is that we can shed even more light on it this morning. And maybe this is all new to you. I want to tell you that God wants to move into your heart, and then he wants to begin to go to work on your mind so that we can think the way that he thinks. But there's two words that stand out here at the beginning of this passage, the words that we just said, the word conform and the word "transform." Both of these words have something in common. At the end of the word, you see the word form. And right away, we're given a clue by Paul that our our mind is going to be formed in one way or another throughout the course of our lives. We have the option to choose which way our mind is formed. Or more, more like this, who our mind is formed like. And if you look at the prefix that you see at the beginning of those words, it helps us to understand it even better. In the English translation, it says "conform." and transform. If you look at that word conform, do not conform to the ways of this world. The the prefix con at the beginning of conform, it means with. So the idea that Paul's trying to get across to us here is don't allow your mind to be formed with the ways of the world. How many people know that the world thinks a certain way? The world looks at certain things as being logical. The world looks at certain things as being moral or right or wrong. But can I just tell you that the standards that the world has are not the same as the standards that God has. And so Paul's pointing this out to these early church Christians and he's saying, listen, don't allow your mind to be formed with the way that the world thinks. We have to understand that, that God is challenging us to think in a way that goes against the flow of how the world thinks. Don't be conformed to the ways or the patterns Of this world. But then we see the second word. He says, be transformed. Again, the word form, but at the beginning, the prefix is the word trans, which literally means across. He's saying, allow your mind to be formed across the way that the world thinks. He says, don't be like everybody else. I wanna take you to, to a completely new place to be like something totally different and I wanna show you how it is that I'm gonna do it. Don't be formed like the world but be transformed across the way that the world thinks. We have to understand again, the way that God sees things and the way that the world sees things are at opposition with one another and we have to choose which side we're going to take in our Christian lives. Now, with all of that said, don't conform but be transformed. That word transform is such a deep, deep word. I just gave you kind of an English translation with the prefix and then form to form across, but you need to understand it a little bit deeper. If we look back at the original Greek, here's the beauty of this word transform. That word in the original Greek is the word metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. Now, how many of you were like just absolute honor students when it came to the sciences, like you know all about metamorphosis. Me either, perfect. All right, so I, I know nothing about this, but when I saw that word, I like had to go back and refresh myself over the last few days. Like, what exactly is metamorphosis? And as soon as I went back and was looking at this, it's like the process of changing and becoming something different and somebody, something else. And what was funny about this is like, as soon as you go to work, I, I was immediately reminded of the way this was taught to me because I saw, in, in, my, in my study of this this week, I saw this example used over and over of how the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Is everybody familiar with this? Do you know that caterpillars one day become butterflies? Everybody knows that, right? A lot of you are like, no way, man. Like, I actually learned that caterpillars all become one of two things, a moth or a butterfly. I had no idea that caterpillars became moths. Anyway, I learned something new every week. But what's interesting, though, is you see that word metamorpho or metamorphosis as the root word of what gets translated into English to transform. Now, I want to make it very, very clear to everybody this morning. I'm not trying to throw out some new age idea at you here. I'm not trying to say, you are all caterpillar and one day become butterfly. No. Okay, grasshopper. Like, that's not what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. When a caterpillar is born, it is not the caterpillar's destiny to always remain a caterpillar. It's its destiny that one day it will become a butterfly. There's another use, another purpose, another destiny that that creature has when it is created. And I want to say to everybody today that that in the exact same way, you and I, when we are born into this world, we are born with a sinful nature. We are born with a carnal, fleshly, earthly mind that thinks the way that the world thinks. But that is not the destiny that God has intended for your life. God has something that he wants to walk you through to take you into greater things that he has for you and we see this transformation thing that's talked about in scripture or metamorphosis, metamorpho. Now, I did even more study on this and the thing that I found that was just so interesting is that that word metamorpho, it shows up in the New Testament four times, only four times. And one of the places that it shows up is in Matthew chapter 17 when it talks about Jesus and the Mount of Transfiguration. I had no idea that in that passage right there, the word isn't translated into transform, it's translated into transfigured. So if you don't know this story, let me just summarize it for you real quick because this will help us to understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Scripture tells us that Jesus invited Peter, James, and John, his three closest disciples, to climb a mountain with them. And they got up there and they were praying. And in the midst of their prayer time, Scripture says that Jesus was transfigured. There was a great light, a brighter than you can imagine light that surrounded him. And suddenly, the, these guys began to just fall on their knees because they realized, oh my gosh, we're seeing something in Jesus that we've never seen before. Pastor Aaron talked earlier about the glory of God. This is a picture of God's glory shining through Jesus. And suddenly, Elijah and Moses appear, these Old Testament figures who were dead. They appear, and then they're thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, if we didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, we most certainly believe now. And then suddenly, they hear the voice of God, and the voice of God from heaven says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to what he says. Now that story, we don't have time to break it all down, but if I was to try to summarize and encapsulate that story and tell you what the purpose of it was, I think the purpose of that story was that those three disciples, Peter, James, and John were to go to the top of that mountain and see something supernaturally that told them and confirmed to them who Jesus really was. Now, it was as if there was a trend it, literally, that word metamorpho was there. They saw Jesus for who God intended and destined him to be right there in that moment. Now, Jesus was different from you and I because he was born sinless. He was born spotless and he lived a sinless life. You and I, we need redeeming. We all know that, right? Some of you are like, why would I need <laughs> Jesus didn't need to be redeemed. And so what we see here is that the, the truth of who God destined him to be and who he really was comes through in this moment of transfiguration. And we see that metamorpho word there. And the thing that we have to understand is that for our lives, there's something that God wants to do in us that will show the glory of who he is through us to the world that is around us. In the same way, God wants to walk you and I through a metamorphosis. I know that word sounds like super new age, but you've got to understand that this is straight Bible. It's all right there. God wants to walk us through something where the truth of who he destined us to be begins to come out. not saying that we're caterpillars who will become butterflies. I'm saying that we are all in process and we need to give God access to our minds so he can make us into something he destined us to be. So we see that word there, metamorphosis and transform. Now, let's go on because this is where it gets really, really interesting. We go past that and it says, be transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. That word renewing is so interesting because it starts to show us a picture of of the work that God wants to do in our mind as soon as we give him access to it. That word renewing, if you look back at like what the real definition of the root word is there, it literally means renovate. So be transformed, be changed, be metamorphosed by the renovation of our minds. How many people here have ever done a renovation on your home? Or how many of you, like maybe some of you work in construction and you've done a renovation in somebody else's home or something like that. You know, renovation is really, really interesting. And I want to stop right here for a minute and talk about this. Because when we talk about renovation, I think this is probably a good time for me to push pause and just have a moment of confession with everybody here. Just tell you something that you don't know about me. Um, and by me coming out and just telling all of you this, it might make it easier for some of you guys to like later on confess it publicly. Um, I like to watch HGTV with my wife, okay? Some of you are like, I do too. But you're not going to say it out loud. You know, we love like these renovation shows, but and I know it's super trendy, but like we totally have gotten hooked on watching Fixer Upper. Like we made like date night out of it. <laughs> Ladies are like, oh my God. Guys are like, uh. Last service, I had like five guys come up to me after service are like, I love that show. I'm like, I know. I know, I'm not the only one. But the thing that fascinates me about that show and watching other renovation project TV shows is (laughs) people will say, you know, we want to buy a house. We're looking for something that we can make our own and all this. And, you know, these dudes, these guys, they'll walk into a home and these people have the potential to buy this house. They have the ability, they have, you know, the finance in place to buy these houses. And they walk in and the guy's like, I I don't want to fix her up or I want something that's like totally finished product and done. And I'm like thinking, dude, you're on a show called fixer upper like I know you're not going to choose the house that's completely done but the more that I watch these shows the thing that's so interesting is these people will walk into a, a home and they'll say oh my gosh I hate the color of the walls and I hate the carpet and I just can't stand like the layout of the kitchen and the person who's the expert the designer walks in there and says yeah but see you're seeing this house for what it currently is but let me show you what this house can become I love it, and this is another funny thing about watching these shows, look at these renovation shows, is like here's the downside of watching a lot of these shows. I'll like walk into your house and be like, you need to take that wall out. Like, (laughs) you need to knock that wall down. You need to open up this kitchen, maybe add some windows. Recess lighting would do your home wonders, you know? Like, and what's the deal with this shag carpet? You guys know about hardwood, right? Like, (laughs) that's what happens when you watch enough of these shows. But... The reason why I say this is because a designer can walk into something where nobody else sees the potential and look around and say, I don't see this thing for what it currently is. I see it for what it can be. And when we walk into a relationship with God, we have to understand that God doesn't look at us for who we are. He looks at us for who we can become. But in order for us to become who he's intended and destined for us to become, we have to give him access to renovating the cluttery place that sometimes is our mind. Because when we walk into this relationship, yeah, we got God living on the inside of us and we want to make him our savior. But lordship sometimes means handing over the keys and saying, God, go to work. Tear down a few walls. Open up this kitchen a little bit. Add a little bit of lighting to this. Take out that old shag carpet that I still think is right and put in that new hardwood. You know what I'm talking about? We have to change the way that we begin to think. But it only happens if we give God access to doing the renovation. Man, renovate. That's such an interesting word. I want to come back to that. I'm going to close talking a little bit more about renovation here in just a moment. But it says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing or renovation of your mind. Why? Why do we want to do all that? Why do we want to give God access to our mind? Why why do we want to do that? Why do we want to say, God, renovate my mind? Look what it says at the end of the verse, finally, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you look at that phrase in the original writings in the Greek, the perfect will of God. This is literally what it means. It means that which is eternal and that which is completely true. That which is eternal and that which is completely true. Now, let me put this in perspective for you. We all live in time, It's 2017, this gift that God has given us of time and the lives that we are living. We don't know how long we're gonna be on this earth. We just know that we're here. We know when we got here, but we don't know when we're going into the next one. And here, here's the thing. I believe according to scripture that God knew the day that I would be born and walk onto this earth. I believe that God knit me in my mother's womb. I believe that when it comes to eternity, past, present, and future, that God knew the whole story. But when I take into account everything that is eternity, And then I look at my life here on this earth. The amount of time that we are gonna spend on this earth is minuscule compared to the size of eternity. So if God wants to go to work on our minds, if he wants to renovate our minds, why? So that we may prove the perfect will of God. Literally what Paul's saying here is he's like, guys, I need you to get your mind off temporal things and use the time that you've been given to focus on that which is eternal. Now, with that said, I want to ask you a question. How much of your time is spent focusing on things which are temporary? If you were to take an inventory of your life and look at the priority list of your life, how many things sitting at the top of your priority list, the things that are at the top of my priority list, are things that are, are here today and gone tomorrow and have zero eternal value? How many of those things? I think the Apostle Paul's trying to open up these guys' eyes. He says, look, we're here just for a little bit of time, and eternity is so big. And if we waste the time that we've been given think about that. thinking about that which is temporary, we're going to lose sight of all the eternal value that God wants to accomplish in the lives that he has given us. What's most valuable to you? Is it things that are temporal or things that are eternal? We talked a second ago about, you know, Pastor Aaron was talking about the glory of God. We look at that moment of transfiguration with the glory of God, the truth of who God was and the truth of who Jesus was as sent by God revealed to the disciples. Do you know what God wants to do? He wants to do something through your life very similar to what he did with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. He wants to send you through a metamorphosis so that the world around you sees the truth of who God is, the complete truth and the eternal truth through your life and through my life, the perfect will of God. Now, a lot of us, we, we live our lives thinking that it's just only about us, like my life is about me. God wants to take your life to reach others. God wants to use your life to show the perfect will of God and the glory of God to the world around you and the people that you live life with. He wants to renovate your mind so that He can change us and show His perfect will to everybody else. Now, when we get to the end of that passage, I, I look at this and I was reading this like in the New King James because that's usually what we have on the screens. But my favorite translation to read this from is the New Living. That's kind of like my daily read. This is what it says in the New Living in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing in other words, don't allow your thinking to fall in line or go with the flow of the world that we live in because God's ways are higher and he wants us to start to think the way that he thinks. He wants to change our mind. He wants to renew us from the inside out. I have a lot of stuff that I was really planning to share today, but I knew there was nowhere going to be enough time. So I've kind of pushed a lot of stuff back for next week. I read from Isaiah 55 earlier, The prophet Isaiah, next week I really want to focus in on this, but in Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah wrote something really interesting. He said, I've been giving a stern order from God not to think the way that the world thinks. And then after he says that, he goes on to talk about all these problems that were facing Israel in the day in which he was living. And as I read it, I was just blown away at how much it mirrors the world that we live in today. Can I tell you something? I believe that as the body of Christ, as Christians... God is calling us to stop thinking the way that the world thinks. Because a lot of us, it is entirely possible that many of us have given our heart over to God because we want the eternal security. But when it comes to God coming in and renovating us, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about that. After first service, I was talking to a gentleman in our church who's a licensed counselor, a family therapist. And he told me, he said, one of the most common problems that family therapists and counselors encounter is that people will come to them with their problems and will spend two or three sessions identifying what all the problems are. But then we get to the fourth session to talk about how it is that we can begin to renovate and fix these problems. And they're like, I don't want to deal with that. And they stop showing up. Can I tell you something? God has way more for your life than what you might be settling for if you haven't given him access to renovate your mind in the way that you think. It's a lesser form of Christianity if we call ourselves children of God but still think the way that the world thinks. In closing this morning, I'm going to finish kind of early today because I just wanted to take today to set this up because I I believe next week's really going to hammer some things home. In closing this morning, I just could not stop thinking about that word renovation. And I know you know, I told you some stories about watching HGTV and renovation shows. It's amazing when you watch those shows or you know somebody or maybe you've gone through a renovation in your home before. Everybody likes the idea of renovation because of what you're gonna get with the finished product. But every time I watch one of those shows, it's like the people are miserable when they're going through the process of renovation. I mean, it doesn't look like the process is any fun, but everybody loves that finished product. I mean, it's like if you could DVR the show And you turn it on and you see the house that they choose and then just fast forward through the whole episode until they get to that point with the big reveal of like, here's your new home. That's what we want. And I got to thinking about this whole idea with renovation and I asked myself the question, why is it that so many of us are hesitant to allow God to renovate or renew our minds? And this is just three things that popped into my head real quick. I think three reasons why we don't always allow God to begin to renovate, same reason why maybe you haven't renovated the house that you wanna renovate. Number one, The cost. Some of you are like, man, I'd love to renovate my home, but we just don't have the money. It's gonna cost way too much. Some of us won't let God begin to renovate our minds because we begin to count the cost and we say that sounds like a little bit too much of a price to pay. Let me give you an example. This one sits heavy with me because when I came to God and really got my life straight with God, and I said, I'm just laying it all out there. God, I want to be serious with you. I want to follow you. I want the purpose that you have for my life. I recognized that I was not, I mean, when it comes to the way I thought, I realized really quickly that I was going to have to stop surrounding myself with the same people I was previously surrounded by. And let me tell you something. When you start this relationship with God and you start to begin thinking differently, you need to get around people who are thinking in the same direction that you want to go. But here's the thing, it's going to cost you something. I'm not saying that we don't be friendly people who are loving toward people in our lives, but can I tell you something? Some of you are struggling in your walk with God because you got people around you that are making you think the wrong way. And it's gonna cost you something to say no and say goodbye to some of them. It doesn't mean you're not friendly. It doesn't mean that you're not loving. It means that I'm not gonna think that way anymore, which means that we might not be spending as much time together. I know some of you are like, that's pretty heavy and that sounds pretty religious. Hey, listen, it's up to you and me what kind of a Christianity and what kind of a walk with God we're gonna have. And if we wanna have a destiny type Christianity and type walk with God, we are gonna have to change the way we think and surround ourselves with people who wanna think like God thinks and not like the world thinks. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you something to allow God to renovate your mind. I spent a lot of time right there because my heart hurts sometimes to know that there are friends I still have to this day that I'm not around and I know that they're not going the same direction I'm going. It's not about me, it doesn't make me better than them. It means that I've just chosen a different path, but that's the cost, that's the price. Are we willing to pay it? There's other prices that we pay too, but that's one of them. Are you willing to pay the price? Second reason why we don't submit sometimes to renovation, the mess. I remember when we renovated this foyer out here at the beginning of the year, You wanna talk about a mess. I mean, some of you remember walking into church on Sunday morning, walking into the auditorium here and there's footprints on the carpet from all the dust everywhere. I mean, there was dust on dust on dust because the remnants of what was were scattered everywhere until it all got cleaned out. And there's a lot of us that if we're gonna submit our minds and our lives to God to allow him to begin to renovate, it's gonna make a mess. It's gonna bring some clutter because the remnants of what was are gonna be scattered all over the place until it finally gets cleaned out and the finished product has arrived. I'm not saying in this life you'll be the perfect finished product, but God's always gonna be working on us and he's wanting to move things out. Are we willing to deal with the mess of renovation? Third reason why I think, and last reason, why I think a lot of us, are hesitant to submit to God's renovation? The time. How long is it going to take, God? How come you can't just snap your magic fingers and make me the finished product? And especially us guys. Hey, we want that to happen fast. We don't want to submit to that process. I know I've said this a lot of times and many of you have heard me say this, but when we get frustrated with time and how long something's taking, we, we cry out to God, we're like, God, hurry the process up. And God just laughs. He's like, <laughs> I created time. Like it's no big deal to me. Like I hold it in my hands. Sometimes we get so frustrated with how long is this process gonna take? God, how long is it gonna take until I see your provision in my life? How long is it gonna take for you to move some of these old things out of the way? How long is it gonna take for you to get me to the place that you've called me and destined me to be? Sometimes it takes some time, but are we willing to submit to the process, when it comes to the cost, when it comes to the mess, when it comes to the process, can I tell you, if we'll submit to it, we will love the finished product. Why? Because the glory of God and the perfect will of God will shine through our lives in a way that the world around us sees. You wanna talk about walking in purpose and walking in destiny. When the glory of God is shown through your life, that my friends is a life of destiny. But the question is, are we willing to let God come in begin to renovate that which needs to be changed. There's some of us here today, we need to let God come in and start knocking out walls. If you're looking at the floor plan of your life right now, let me tell you something. God knows a whole lot better what it needs to look like than you and I do. God needs to come in and add a little bit of light to your floor plan, to my floor plan. God needs to come in and do some serious renovation. He needs to take out that old shag carpet He needs to put in something new that's fresh and updated so that the world around will see the glory in which he lives and who he is. You know, I won't say that. I believe with all my heart that letting God change our mind always starts with letting him into our heart first. I think we as Christians need to get to a place where we're not stuck in mental Christianity can't let God get stuck through the filter of our mind. We need to let him into our heart so that he can then go to work on our mind and show us the truth of his word and who he is. You might be here today and you feel so far from God and the biggest reason why you don't have a relationship with God is because you have not been able to get him through the filter of your mind to allow him to get into your heart. Can I tell you something? If you let him into your heart, he'll then go to work on your mind. The truth of his word outweighs everything else that the world might tell you is true. If you feel far from God or you feel like you've never had a relationship with God, it all starts with letting him come here first and then work on the rest second. I wanna invite you this morning, everybody just to bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. In closing today, if you're here and you've never decided to follow Jesus, you've never invited God into your life, I wanna give you an invitation to join us in a simple prayer here in just a moment. I believe with everything inside of me, according to what scripture says, that it's the faith of our heart, what we believe inside and the confession of our mouth that brings us into relationship with God. You might feel unworthy of God's love. You might feel like you're not that lovable. Can I tell you how much God loved you? He loved you so much that he sent his very best in exchange for your very worst. Jesus was crucified to take our sin upon his shoulders so that all of our imperfections could be paid for and forgiven and we could know a life of purpose and have salvation in this life and the life that is to come. If you're here today and you want to invite Jesus into your life to have that relationship with God and then allow him to go to work on all the other details of your life, I want to invite you just to be a part of this prayer. Pray it out loud with us in just a moment. We're not going to embarrass anybody, put anybody on the spot. It's just something simple that we all do together. Many people here today have prayed this prayer before and if you want to make that decision for the first time to follow Jesus or recommit your life, I want to invite you to join us right now and simply say these words right out loud. And say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, for taking my place on the cross. I believe that you're my savior. I believe that you were raised to life. And today I choose you. I make you the Lord of my life. I wanna know you. I wanna follow you. I wanna serve you with everything I have from this day forward. Thank you for loving me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. With heads bowed for just one more moment, I just wanna pray a simple prayer. I believe with everything inside of me, in all my heart, that God is wanting to make sure that we as Christians, as the church of Jesus Christ, that we are aligning the way we think with his word, that we're giving him access so that we can follow him. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name, if there are people here today, they are struggling in their thought life, their thoughts are lesser than the things that you have planned for them, their thoughts are lesser than your word, or maybe, God, they're doubting you and asking questions, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring about your peace in our hearts and in our minds, that we would give you access to make change, to make us into who you created us to be, God, that we would be transformed, that we would go through that metamorphosis that you are calling us to so that the world around us can see your goodness and your glory and that we can fulfill and provide proclaim the perfect will of God in these days that you have placed us, God. I pray that we would have an eternal perspective in this temporal life that we're living. None of us are guaranteed a tomorrow, so I pray that we would take each and every today and choose to invest in those things which have eternal value. God, we honor you for who you are. We give you access to our lives. Come into our hearts. Change our minds. In Jesus' name,